All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the No Sevens podcast. We are reviewing this time Oppenheimer, the 2023 release, directed by Christopher Nolan, also written partially by Christopher Nolan, starring Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., um, many, many other people, but those are the big ones. I'm excited to talk about this. I know Caleb and David both saw this in IMAX, so I'm IMAX excited to hear. Millimeter. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about their impressions of it and all that. But we're ready. To excited rock. for this episode. Let's get into it, fellas. Yeah, Silas has got his two gallon jug of crystal light. We're ready. You know. Yeah. Is it actually how big is it? Is it a gallon jug? I think it's a gallon. Yeah. Okay. Oh wow! I just already drank some of it though. You make that yourself? You mix it up yourself? I it do, looked highly I do. concentrated. It looked like crystal yeah, heavy. You should see the other jug. You should see the other jug. There's a little bit of residue left, <laughs> like an inch. So I just poured in the other two packets. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. You ought to start you need to start a water talk. Have you seen those or do you know about water talk? I do not. What is that? It's like a segment of TikTok where like people just make videos of them making their water which is just like oh they're either adding flavoring or whatever you know to a big stanley mug and uh anyway but uh i think i have seen that like people like frying ice and then like filtering <laughs> it and stuff i haven't seen What's that the... but uh i've seen some of those <laughs> i feel like if 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 you wonder if it exists the answer is yes on tiktok like it is out there if you search for it um and it's it's something else, but that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> that's right. Before we get into it, I wanted to ask just for fun: what is the last movie and the last show that you all saw? Because I don't think this is the last thing we saw because it's been some time. Okay, yeah, that's, actually, that's a good point. Uh, for David, probably is the last movie he's seen. Uh, not true, actually. Last night I watched the last thirty minutes of Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh. Wait, and let me tell you. Did you? I forgot you were working through those. Okay, so you so I have you didn't just the watch the last franchise. thirty minutes, right? Well, I had already watched the the up to the okay. Last 30 minutes, so the, way, like the way you it. said it, it's like you just like, well, I'm just going to turn on the last thirty minutes of Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> no, I'm going to watch that and count call it a day. Uh, no. I do have a lot of thoughts about the Fast and Furious franchise, but. Uh, hmm. That's neither hit or Save that for another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Last show I watched, quarterback. I don't even care about football, but it was a pretty good documentary series. Hmm. Um let's see. Are we talking about literally maybe just like episode of a TV show or last okay? Yeah, so yeah. what do you what do you casually watch? Yeah, so um uh, actually oh man, I forgot. The last movie I watched was uh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. What? Yeah. What? You watched this by yourself? <laughs> I did. Yeah, of course. What? Uh, I watched it on the on the plane. So I flew to Kansas City. Oh, okay. And, you know, the flight to Kansas City from Nashville is only like an hour and 15 minutes. So I was debating whether or not to even start a movie. But Southwest, you know, they've got like some free movies that you can watch. And so when I'm flying, I'm like, I'm going to watch something random. I'm going to watch something that I probably would never, ever watch. And I saw that Blake Lively was starring in it. 
or one of the stars. I was like, uh, yes. Uh, so, I mean, I've heard about it and I've heard about the book and the movies and everything. So I started it on the flight to Kansas city and then I finished it on the flight back. Uh, honestly, I mean, I loved it. It was so good. Uh, so Blake Lively, I mean, I knew I was going to like it for that reason, but then I can't remember her name, but Rory from Gilmore Girls, I think her first name's Alexis. Oh, yeah. It's like Alexis oh, yeah. something. Uh, she was like, I was like, Black I might, Hell. I might like her Rory more is. than Blake Lively. Uh, so now you're gonna start watching Gilmore Girls. Well, you got it. So yeah, tonight, I've... so tonight, I started watching <laughs> Gilmore Girls. No way. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, that I literally watched. I have it. seen all of Gilmore Girls. I will admit. Yeah. Well, uh, I've seen a lot of it through my sister and my mom, um, but I think like this might be my new show. I'm just gonna, just gonna every night. You know, I I have fallen into the habit of eating dinner, watching a show. So um, I think Gilmore Girls is it. I loved the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. I didn't know there was a second one. So I might seek it out now, um, but yeah. So what? So what is it about Gilmore Girls? Is it Alexis Bledel? Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's Rory. I mean, she's the she's, she's like the, the cutie of find the, her co-star. Of the yeah, okay. It's basically, her mom and her are like the two main people. So okay. her boyfriends. How old is she? Uh, how old like is her? How old is her character in this show? Uh, Sorry, 16 in the pilot her character is 16 okay um, i just looked it up everybody in as an actress she's 19 so it's a little less weird okay oh but she's 41 <laughs> just to think about caleb yeah now she's old but you know yeah back in the day man she might look better now i don't know some of these images that i'm looking at are like not great I just think, especially in Sister of the Traveling Pants, she's just so cute. You know, it's like maybe like like her looks are not stunning at first, but it's just like her personality and her little like you know she's just very quiet. I was like, man, I really like this person. But uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, I feel like we got. I feel like we got a lot. A lot of nuggets there. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm just really lonely. I don't his, know. His brain. <laughs> uh, if you're a, if you're a cute little. What did you say? Quiet. I, I think so. Young lady. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a fellow on this podcast who would be very interested in meeting you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know. Oh boy. What about you, Silas? What movie and show? Mm, uh movie I watched that Johnny Manziel documentary oh, yeah, on yeah. Netflix recently. And then I've been working my way through The Wire on HBO. Okay. I don't know what the what is the wire about? The wire's like it's about an orthodontist. <laughs> <laughs> an electrician. No. <laughs> It's about like uh, inner city Baltimore cops and drug dealers. Oh. So would you classify it just as like a drama? Yeah, probably. Or... But it's it's held generally esteemed as like the caliber of show as like The Sopranos. Oh. Like drama. Wow. Okay. 
working my way through that. A little bit different than Gilmore Girls, but hey. Slightly different. Yeah. Basically the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah I'd say yeah. so. All right. Oh, Back to the original topic of this podcast. Yeah, we really got sidetracked. We did. Sorry, I didn't mean that. No, that's, so that's fine. No, Honestly, okay. it's kind that's of fun. People, you know? That's what they're here oh, yeah. for. I figured we should start do something like... A new segment? What have you been watching? Yeah, not... Maybe I, I thought it might be a new segment. We'll see. I, I think that's fun. Now I gotta watch stuff though. I gotta make yeah, sure I that I keep them fresh with my. Watch. I mean, if you just watched like Blessed. Fast and Furious in thirty minute increments, <laughs> that'll last you for like six years. So that's true. Yeah. Next up, Today Tokyo Drift. The middle thirty <laughs> yeah. minutes of Tokyo yeah, Drift. Exactly. All right, Oppenheimer. Uh, Oppenheimer. Non-spoiler reviews. I'll go first because I'm already talking. Um, and I haven't even thought about this. Obviously, Christopher Nolan, phenomenal director. Um, I didn't. I didn't feel like this disappointed. I didn't feel like like this is definitely not my favorite Christopher Nolan movie um, by a long shot. I kind of expected that going into it. Um, Dunkirk is the other movie he's done that's like a historical drama and Dunkirk is probably it's a great movie like in terms of quality but in terms of like Chris Nolan movies like in my ranking like it's probably my least favorite just it just doesn't get me going um the same way that the other ones do this one I think uh similar for me great um great movie like clearly very well made um like Christopher Nolan is you know a visionary. I would say visionary. Yeah. Like, is he the greatest director of modern times? I, that's like a bold statement, but he's like up there. Right. I mean, he doesn't really miss. That's the thing. It's like, he, he doesn't put out anything that's ever like not really good. Um, and so, yeah, solid addition to the Christopher Nolan, uh, filmography. Not my favorite Christopher Nolan movie though. Caleb, over to you. Okay. Um, it's an over for me. Oh, yeah, David, you didn't say if it was an over. Oh, yeah, it's an over, yeah. but uh, I'll, I guess I'll. Uh, I mean, similar sentiments to David uh, without you know the same level of expertise as David has or really as anyone in the world has. Um, I was highly impressed with the quality of the film. Like, I did it's objectively like a high quality production. I mean, no doubt about it. Um, as far as some other aspects of the movie, I would not say that I was like as entertained as I've been in other, you know, in other, even Christopher Nolan movies, because it is more of like that historical drama, like David mentioned. So, um, you just got to strap in and, and be ready for it and kind of know what you're getting into. Understand that it's not going to be like this action packed, you know, Batman type of film. Um, but uh, overall still, still very, very good. Really, really good. Yeah. I think it'll be, it'll be a over for me as well. I think, I think I tried to temper my expectations for this going in after reading kind of like the synopsis generally about it. Um, 
I do have some not qualms. I don't know. Some things I thought were just like, yeah, maybe critiques, mm-hmm. but um, all in all, I thought it was very impressive. Um, I do like, I love a good like biopic, like historical movie. So this was definitely right up my alley. All right. All right. Everybody think of a spoiler. Okay. I'm going to pick one. I don't really have one written down. Okay. Man, I still don't think of one. <laughs> I was waiting oh, for you no. guys to think of one. I was just going to say something funny. Okay. Spoilers in three, two, two one. one. We dropped two, our two bombs on Japan. Wait, what did you say? I said we dropped two bombs on Japan. No, that's not a spoiler. Silas, what did you say? <laughs> I said RDJ is the villain. Okay. That's actually probably the closest thing to a real spoiler. Yeah. It was kind of unclear. Oh, Robert Downey Jr., I see. Yeah. Yeah, David, that was the Put joke, together, you know, you? because it's a historical film, like we all knew about the bombs. <laughs> yeah, I got your yeah, joke. Yeah. I, what did you say, David? I said Kitty Oppenheimer is the worst mom. She wins the worst mom award. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, pretty much. Uh, she was terrible, which is ironic because I think uh, Emily Blunt is probably an excellent mom. Uh, I imagine. I don't know. Yeah. She seems very funny in interviews. She seems very funny in interviews. She plays a great mom in the Quiet Place series. Oh, yeah. Does she yeah. also do uh, Mary Poppins? Uh, she did do yeah. Mary Poppins. And I feel like if you're going to do Mary Poppins, you got to be a good mom. Yeah. Uh, but in this movie, she was a terrible, I mean, she wasn't, not like terrible acting, but like the character that she's playing was a, was a terrible mother. Yeah. Awful mother. Not good. Yeah. Just the worst. Where do we start with this? Um... Let's talk about the IMAX 70 millimeter. Yes. Yeah. Tell me about that. Caleb, what was your take on it? Oh, boy. We, you and I saw it together. Yes. David and I saw it together. Um, how long How long did it take you to get IMAX tickets? Because they were in, they were very hot yes. for a second. So, um, quick backstory if the listeners don't know, but there were only 19 um, movie theaters in America that had the IMAX 70 millimeter edition of the film. Wow. Luckily one was in Nashville. So that was a big reason. Like it took me a while to see it because I was debating, like, do I take the plunge and do IMAX and go down to Nashville? But also like in the first, especially two opening weekends of the film, it's like, it was almost impossible to get tickets because either it was completely sold out or the only seats available were like very close to the front. So I talked with David and we got tickets to a 10:15 Thursday night showing for this 3-hour film, but we got them even a few days in advance and were able to get like decent seats. Um yeah, they were good. Yeah, seats. near the back and and near the middle as well. So, uh, this was my first IMAX experience in general. Uh, except for maybe a time that I saw Polar Express in IMAX. But my memory's fuzzy on that because I was a kid. We won't talk about yeah, that. Yeah. So I'm going to consider this my first IMAX experience. And boy, it did not disappoint. First of all, this the, the, the auditorium, this screen, I know everyone talks about how massive it is. It was even bigger than I could have imagined. I mean, wow. basically floor to ceiling. And, and it was, I mean, 
hundreds of feet probably across. I don't know. I don't know any of the specs, so I could be vastly wrong. But I was just, I walked in and I was like, I was like, I think we were in the second to last row, I think, or maybe the third to last row. And I'm like, we might still be too close. Yeah. Um, I did experience wow. that as well. Because it's like that, that yeah, wide feeling. And tall. Like, like, yeah. If I really wanted to see the full screen, I kind of had to lean forward and like look down almost to see the bottom of the screen. It was just that big. So, wow. very cool experience. The coolest thing about this, though, was the you could hear the film projector like the little whir you know like and i Ooh. yeah i can't quite you know replicate it but it was yeah. like that stereotypical like classic like film projector noise and when there were quiet parts in the movie you could just hear it go and i'm like this is kind of cool i just really loved that experience um and then the third thing was no previews there was absolutely no previews they yeah. just started the film and it just was rolling immediately which i guess now that i think about it makes sense because they don't probably build in previews onto the film like onto the roll of film right so uh the previews probably wouldn't fit the screen very well yeah. i didn't even think about that yeah so yeah, um, but they did it was kind of like that standard you know like there's it was supposed to start at 10 15 and it started at like probably 10 30 so there was like a little <laughs> yeah. bit of a buffer but david was like he's like okay uh, I don't know if I should go get like a soda because it's kind of late and I'm kind of tired. And he was like going back and forth. And I was like, oh, well, like you've got time. I'm sure there'll be previews. And basically, as soon as I said that, the movie just started and it was like, <laughs> we're in it. So, yeah, yeah so. no soda for David. But uh, but I didn't need it after. All. Yeah. So I actually was the one who probably needed it uh, because I got a little drowsy toward the end. I'll admit, you know, it was late. It was probably getting close to 1 a.m. and. I was getting a little sleepy. Um, so, but overall it was awesome. Very, very good experience. I'm glad that I waited for the IMAX, um, to watch it that way. Yeah. I, so I wanted to go see an IMAX 70 millimeter. Cause I was like, you know, this is the format that he shot it in. I love Christopher Nolan. Um, so probably if it was any other director, I wouldn't care. But when he's like, this is the format that I made it to be in and it's like probably there's a limited number of like opportunities to see it in that format right like they're gonna do the whole theater run i'm sure someday there'll be like a you know revival theatrical run on the 70 millimeter yeah but like that's gonna be a, a while so i was like this is kind of like my one shot to like see it in the intended format and i mean it was good but i was also kind of like did this particular movie need to be in this format? Because let's be honest, like most of this movie is just like people talking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of so talking. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, I feel like even like some of his other movies, like interstellar or inception or any of the dark Knight movies, like it would have made more sense to be in this format. Um, uh, yeah. I think interstellar would probably be amazing in that. Format. Yeah. Whereas like this movie, like, I don't know, like, if you don't see it in this format, like, I don't know that you're really missing that much. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't really think about it that way. So, I'm glad I went and saw it in that format. But if I would say, if you don't have the opportunity to do that, um, it's not really that big of a deal, honestly. Yeah. And 
But another thing is like it's not only the screen or the picture quality. I think you know IMAX also has its own sound to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the sound was, I mean, it it rattled my chest, um, and not just you know the bomb drop or whatever. It was multiple parts about the movie. It was like, I mean, it was booming. So it was cool. It was, yeah, uh, very very neat. How was the uh, standard format, Silas? Like, did you feel like you still got the the Oppenheimer experience? Um, I originally wanted to see it at least in like you know how some theaters do the the RPX or yeah. they just have it in like a bigger a bigger room and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I wanted to do it in at least something a little bit larger or something that had more dedicated like sound capabilities or something but uh, i just didn't have the opportunity but I, th- I still thought it was very good um didn't really disappoint maybe audio wise it could have been a little bit better but nothing yeah i would say if you haven't seen it yet and you have the, are gonna go see it in theaters which i don't know how much longer the theatrical run will last but i'm like, not sure it's probably more it's probably more important to go some go in a format that will have good sound than it is like the IMAX part. I would agree with I that. I feel like. Um, Caleb, did you notice anything about the uh, way this film was... How do, I, how do I ask this question without giving away what I... How it was asking? shot? Uh, I'll, I'll just cut you off and I'll try to predict what you're going to say. I did notice at some points it was like almost like it was full screen and then it would go like to like widescreen almost where it would like cut off some of the top and bottom. I don't know if that's what you're referring to. That is what I'm referring to. Um, Good job. Aha. I've learned something from this podcast. There you go. I don't know the technical (laughs) Uh, uh, way to say it, but it went from... Aspect ratio. Yeah, there you go. Aspect ratio. It changed sometimes. Uh, Yeah, why? I I know there's a reason for that. Do you know what it is, Alice? Is it because of the different kinds of cameras? I would assume it was different kinds of cameras, but if he's shooting it all at the same film size, I'm not sure. I think some of it was like different kinds of cameras. Though. I uh, know. I wonder too, if it was part of the, like the black and white and like the yeah. color stylistic yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I didn't notice any patterns in it, but I did, I did catch on uh, to that as well. All right, that's a wrap. I had more notes about the story of this than I did the like the movie part, like the technical things around it. Yeah, like I a lot of my notes are around like the narrative, which is on par for the course with Christopher Nolan. Um, yeah. Let's see what else we talk. About. Let's talk about the acting. What do you guys think of the acting? A lot of big name actors in this. A lot of big, a lot names. Of big names. I mean, you had your typical cast and crew of Christopher Nolan. Uh, True. Minus Michael Caine. I know. Minus Michael Caine. Would have been nice if we could have squeezed him in there somewhere. Is he still alive? Michael Caine? I think so. I hope so. I hope so. I don't think he would have died. I mean, um, I got. So I will just say this, not necessarily about the acting specifically, but I, as, as always did not really know who was in this movie beforehand. So 
I'm watching, I'm watching, I recognize most of the faces. And uh, Strauss, or Strauss, however he says his name, uh, at first I was like, man, that guy looks a lot like Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> and I was like, but then I was like, no, I mean, no, that's just, there's something about him that, but because, especially I feel like at first, like most of his lines, Robert Downey Jr. has that very, I feel like a very specific cadence and like way of delivering his lines. It doesn't really matter what character he is. So at first, and maybe it just, maybe he kind of lost it as it went on, but he didn't have that cadence and he didn't really sound like Robert Downey Jr. He looked like it and clearly the makeup and everything else, they did a great job to make him look older and, and more, you know, like this person. But, um, and eventually I arrived at the fact that, okay, that most certainly is Robert Downey Jr. But, um, he was great. His acting was great. I, th- I thought it was all good. Um, I mean, as as you would expect, I was I was particularly impressed with Robert Downey Jr. Just because it didn't seem like a role that's t- pretty typical for him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It was a little bit out of the ordinary for him. But I mean, he's a really good actor, so I wasn't surprised he, he performed well. I wasn't surprised he was performing well, but I was just impressed. Do you think who? Do you think anybody is going to get uh, Oscar noms from this uh, for acting? Do you think he? I feel like he will get a supporting actor nomination. Yeah, I feel like he should. Um, I don't know, honestly. I don't know it. Do I don't Killian know enough Murphy of the criteria. I don't know about Killian Murphy. I feel like maybe just because it's such a big movie. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see what else comes out. Do you this think year. he deserves a best actor nomination? I don't know. We'll have to see what else comes out. Okay. Certainly nobody in the Meg deserves an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's going to have a tough uh, time holding up to Ryan Gosling from Barbie. Mm. Or is that Reynolds? Which one was it? Ryan it was Gosling. It was Gosling. Okay. Yeah. Those, you know, those Hollywood Ryans, they'll get you every time. <laughs> you know, I also thought uh, Matt Damon. I mean, it still felt like Matt Damon. Like, at no point was I like, this is not Matt Damon. Whereas yeah. Robert Downey Jr., he really, like, kind of faded into the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I enjoyed Matt Damon's character and his performance. He was I did, too. For sure. He was kind of a funny character. It was very fun with uh, Killian Murphy's character. Like, yeah, some both. fun banter and yeah. dialogue. Yeah. Um. Emily Blunt, great job playing a horrible mom. Yeah. <laughs> she did such a good job. I hated her. He was in this movie. Uh, as Neil, Neil's boy. <laughs> I mean, man, she was so... Such a bad mom. I was like, wow, you don't even like your kid. Uh, also, random cameos. Oh, yeah. Two of them. Josh. Yeah, I didn't really see it coming. Josh. Yeah, from Drake and Josh. What's to? his name? I don't remember his name. Oh, that, that's not who I was referring oh. to. Uh, but yeah, he is in the movie. Who are you referring to? I'm Well, the first one I was referring to is Mr. Casey Affleck. The, oh, oh what's his name? yeah. Pash. The little like uh, lieutenant guy or whatever. Yeah, the guy who's like investigating. Uh, also, an interesting role for him. Yeah. 
it was kind of the reveal of him was kind of weird because they like yeah. didn't show his face at first and then they did and it's like it's casey affleck and it's kind of also kind of like that almost like takes you out of the movie a little bit though who was he that you said the de- detective he's well he was that like i don't know what his the, technical like, it's the special military investigator yeah guy. oh the guy that uh was talking to oppenheimer about the communist stuff and was they made him sound really that. scary yeah okay yeah i think i remember now but they they like very loosely implied that he may have murdered uh florence Pugh's character oh i didn't catch that really yeah i thought she just committed suicide you didn't see the shot where there was like a different she was definitely like held under the water or something well i think this was when i I was kind of fading out so (laughs) i think where is yeah okay i think i think historically like her official cause of death is suicide um what's what was her name gene tatlock um but in the movie there was like there were some when they were like showing that or like him imagining it there were some scenes that were like her drowning herself and some scenes that was like it looked like somebody was holding her under and i think they were just trying to imply like nebulous of like maybe maybe somebody killed her okay but like there's no no like actual confirmed evidence of that um but it seems like it would have been that guy given that he was described as being particularly violent uh the other the other cameo is gary oldman that's right i was just looking at that do you know who he was caleb nope i love making caleb guess actors i don't know do i don't know, know who he was who he has been in other christopher nolan movies oh oh yeah the the psycho guy uh like the crazy was he the guy that was like in the parade that was like uh in batman no, that guy is in this movie. That guy is in this movie. Um, so that was good. His name's his name is David Dastelm. Oh, uh, Dastel- he is. Dastel- yeah. What did you say his name is? Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. Gary Oldman is the guy we're talking about. You're thinking of a different guy yeah. who also is Desmalkian. David Desmalkian is also in this movie. He was. Oh, uh, Gary Oldman. Yeah, Lynn the Borden. police chief. The uh, yeah. yeah, Gordon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you? Where is he in this movie? I have he no clue really yeah props to props to the makeup department on oppenheimer caleb could not identify he done that before he was uh well he's been winston churchill that's right the king's speech darkest hour no that's that's colin firth colin yeah darkest hour darkest hour yeah he's what he's uh you give up yeah he's president harry s Truman. oh wow that was gary oldman yeah. Which I didn't even recognize that it was Gary Oldman at first. The makeup was so good. So uh props to the makeup department. Yeah, I think the acting all around, really solid performance from anybody. Nobody nobody gave any bad performances, I thought. True. true. I also liked uh the Senate aide, Alden Ehrenreich's character. Ooh, yeah. He was a fun That character. was a surprising standout. He was good. Um, any other thoughts on the acting? Not really. <clears throat> All right. Uh, another big part of this movie that I'm a fan of 
soundtrack. I thought the soundtrack oh, yeah. was excellent. Excellent. Yeah, it was real um, good. I don't yeah, I don't know if it's my favorite. It was I okay, honestly I don't know how to say his last name, but Ludwig. Ludwig Jorensen. I'm sorry, Ludwig, I don't know how to say your last name, but I'm a huge <laughs> fan. I'm like probably top one percent of your fans on Spotify. Wow. Look me up. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, come on, it doesn't take much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. I don't. I don't know if this was like his best score overall. Um, the song. There's one track on there called "Can You Hear the Music," um, which is like towards the beginning, and allegedly it has like a ton of like time signature changes or something like that. Oh. Um, and he wanted to do it like all like different bits and stuff like that and his wife convinced him to do it all in like one go with an orchestra um so apparently that was a really complex composition it's a great uh great track on there um i thought it was a really solid uh soundtrack lots of stuff going on um i'll i'll say it i'll say this i've been saying this adam texted me about ludwig and he said something Uh, oh, he said, he said, Ludwig Gorenson is definitely shaping up to be one of the greatest composers of our lifetime. Oh, wow. And I said, bro, Black Panther came out in 2018. Get with the times. Because uh, I've been saying this for years. He is on track to be the GOAT. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's kind of the, he's kind of the heir apparent to Hans Zimmer. I think right now he's putting out consistently better stuff than Hans. I mean, Hans is still good, but I think a lot of times Hans can get into a rut and like uh, phone it in for a lack of a better term. I think case in point, uh, no time to die, not his best work. Um, whereas I think Ludwig is just like, Ludwig, he's like, every, in his prime everything right he now. touches is like, yeah, like he's, he's on fire. Um, so I think continue to expect only, amazing things from him but i mean props to him i'm i'm so excited every time he's working on a movie just because i know it's going to be phenomenal um and this this is no exception no exception now this may not be true thank you ludwig for what you're doing uh yeah yeah thank you ludwig we all owe you big time all of us movie aficionados i mean we we really we owe our lives to you ludwig and i I, I hope well, I don't know if he'll uh, live to him, but I hope I hope he gets a soundtrack nomination. Uh, Do you think he will for this? Um, man, yeah, I think he will. I think he will. At least know. a nom. Yeah, at least a nomination. I don't know. Like Dune Part Two is coming out, and like that is, is that, that this is, year? Yeah, that that is oh, actually in a few months, sick. and that actually is like some of Han's best stuff lately. Is like what he's been doing with Dune. So I think that will be a really good soundtrack and probably hard to compete with. I don't know if he got a nomination for Dune part one. Um, and I really haven't like kept up with what else is in the running for soundtrack right now. But I think, I mean, man, this movie is one of the biggest movies of the year. So I have to imagine that it's on, yeah, people's, yeah, it's on people's radar. Now, I don't know if this is true. But I feel like I noticed 
halfway through, maybe a little less than halfway through, it kind of dawned on me. It's like, it seems like there has been music this entire movie. Like, it's like it never stopped from the beginning to the end. There was always music, which was interesting to me. Um, and I think when you have a film like this, that's extremely story and dialogue heavy, then having that like really good soundtrack in the back to pair it. And like, there were times whenever I'm just like caught up in the movie and I like notice that the music is like driving how I should be feeling right now. Like it starts to get tense and Mm -hmm. it's like, and obviously that's the whole goal, but that, but I would not say that all movie soundtracks do that for me. So Mm. I agree. I mean, as, as technical as I can get, I just think it was like, yeah, it it really did drive the emotion. It kind of kept the movie going forward and in times of like tension or whatever, like I was like, Oh man, this, this music is like intense right now. So uh, yeah, I mean, that's, like I said, that's about as technical as I'm going to get on my analysis of it. You're like, oh, good job, Caleb. Like, ooh. No, I think that's good. Ooh, exciting music makes exciting movie. Good job, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> or when you put it like that. Okay, no, I will. I'm with you. Anybody who's hyping up Ludwig, I'm with you. And part of the reason I'm referring to you by your first name, Ludwig, is because I don't know how to say your last name correctly. Sorry. I feel like I'm close, but I don't think I'm getting it exactly right. Uh, man, anything else like majorly positive we want to bring up? Silas, you said you had some critiques. Yeah, I'd say most of mine are probably just with the, the story oh, um, okay. like you were talking about. Well, we should get into that maybe because that's like a lot of what uh, what my notes were about. Uh, one thing I want to talk about, this maybe segues into the story. Um, one thing I w- want to, I feel like we should address it, uh, is the, the R rating slash the nudity, which is like a new thing for Christopher Nolan. Um, oh, is this the first? Um, it's the first, it's not his first R rated movie. It's his first R-rated movie in a long time. Um, I think the like Memento was rated R. Um, he's got another one called Insomnia, which I've never seen, and that blows my mind because it has Robert Williams and Robert De Niro in it. Um, and I don't know, if, I haven't, I don't know if I've ever met anybody who's seen it. Um, but what if I just like blew your mind? It was like, oh, dude, that would blow. I've seen mind. it so many times. <laughs> uh, but that was also rated R. I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't think he's ever had any movies with nudity or anything like that. And like, here's the first thing I will say. So Caleb and I went to this movie together, and we <laughs> we made a. I wouldn't say we made a pact, but like, I we had a game plan. Yes. Yes. Of like. Um, Cause I was like, I'm, you know, I really want to see this movie, but I'm also not going to compromise my values. So we knew exactly when we needed to like close our yep. eyes. Um, did you start a timer then David? I did actually start a timer, but it really wasn't necessary. Um, oh, cause I yeah, looked up much. on, I was able to look up online and like, like figure out like, okay, well, like when this thing happens, like it's like the very next thing. And so like, it was pretty easy to, uh, predict. No. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the timer was kind of helpful to just like have a sense of like when it was coming up, I guess. 
Um, I realize that's a little bit extreme, but I was like, I really want to see this movie and not compromise my values. So I was like, I had the timer. Um, <laughs> and so here's the thing though, is like, I didn't feel like I missed anything. And I know that he had kind of talked about like, you know, I was very uncomfortable shooting this because it's like a new thing for me, but I, I wanted to do it to get outside my comfort zone. And because I felt like it was necessary for the story. And I like 100% disagree. Like I felt like, A, I felt like it wasn't necessary for the story, but B, I also felt like you could have conveyed the same thing in a more uh, or a less graphic way, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I agree with that. Um, I didn't, I didn't feel like narratively anything was missing um, by, I guess, not watching that scene. Um, so I guess for me, I was disappointed in Christopher Nolan that he included that um, because one of the things that is great about him is like con- he pretty consistently puts out really, really high quality stuff that um, doesn't really have anything bad in it. And it's also not like, for lack of a better term, like VidAngel Studios stuff that's like super, uh, like over, like trying too hard to be wholesome. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Like, um, like I think Inception is a great example of like, there's nothing in Inception, like profanity, like sex, anything like that. And it's a great movie and it's a great story. And like he consistently puts out stuff like that and has proven his ability to just be a good storyteller and make good movies without needing to like have the, like the shock, know, the shock yeah, value. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. And so it's yeah. like, I, I'm, disappointed in him uh, for like diverting from that pattern because i just i don't i don't think it was necessary for this movie um so that was one of the things i yeah. didn't like yeah i mean i 100 percent agree i don't know that i could really add anything to it it's hard to ever make the case of like that being necessary you know i guess Sure. Uh, but there's also like some movies that's like, that's why you're, you know, if you think like 50 shades of gray or whatever, you know, like that, that is the whole thing. So you yeah. just, in that situation, it's just like, okay, obviously I'm just not going to go see 50 shades of gray because that's what this is. This is just like a random little, like throw it in and it's going to be there. And we're just going to, you know, like you and I will, and we'll just avoid it. But once again, it's just like totally extraneous. Didn't seem, you know. Yeah, it had almost no bearing. Right. On, on yeah, the plot. especially for like, well, if if a movie's about like relationships or like a marriage or something like that, it almost would make more sense. But this is not even remotely about any of that. So, nor did I think her character add any insights or nuance to what even his mental state was so yeah i feel like there's just different ways to like communicate that um 
and even you could have even had a lot of the same scenes and just had them wear clothes i feel like um yeah so because a lot of it is just dialogue but they're in the news um and so it's like I don't know. I feel like you could have just done it a different way. So, thumbs down, Chris. Yeah, boo. Get it together. You're the, the worst. <laughs> well, no, you're still great. <laughs> just, we we know you can do better. Yeah. We're not mad, just um, disappointed. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, Silas, what are your critiques on the story? So, my I think my big critique is that after... They make the bomb and drop the bomb. This yeah. is essentially a movie about like a what is it, a congressional hearing? Um you're talking about the thing with Strauss? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's a congressional hearing, but he's like being I don't know, reviewed for a cabinet position i don't know how that works politically, yeah but and i feel like the bigger thing that he was trying to say about oppenheimer was that he like had all this guilt about the bombs mm-hmm. and then like he was disgraced and all that and that was kind of the point of the cabinet meeting and the stuff with strauss but then eventually like he's redeemed or they choose to recognize him for his contributions way later in his life. But I felt like the whole cabinet meeting and all of that was just bizarre. Yeah. Y'all know me. Like, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Silas. No. Yeah. Like, like it was a weird choice to, or just, it seemed unnecessary. Like a lot of fluff, like, writing about something that maybe didn't get the point across as concise or as powerfully as it could have been. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That being said, I did like Strauss as a villain and I liked what he did with it. And I thought that was probably the best way. I mean, if you're going to shoot a movie about like have a major portion of the movie be about a cabinet, like hearing, that's probably the best way you could have ever done it. But, still yeah i will i will start with this major caveat that i probably need to rewatch this to better digest exactly what was going on because of two two things i mean there's a lot going on and it's not like because it's a lot of dialogue it's not like super intuitive or like i wouldn't call it like a typical sort of plot to where Sometimes there's like you can tell when a writer or like when a director is like putting in exposition like for the sake of like telling the audience, okay, this is what's going on and like and and they almost explain it to you. There was very little of that almost. It's like yeah. if you had a prior historical knowledge of this event and kind of like the the details around it, then I think you would do much better at understanding what was going on. Uh, but it was also very late and I started to doze off a little bit. So I, I'm sure I missed out on some of the like important details, but overall I kind of walked out of the movie thinking like, okay, the bomb was cool, but 
but this really wasn't a movie about the bomb necessarily, you know? And so like, then I just was left wondering, I was like, what exactly was this about? You know, like what was I supposed to get out of this whole thing? And I've never been like a great, you know, like story follower per se. So that is mostly on me, but it, it's, it's like a deep kind of like heavy film that you need to like that could be beneficial to watch through a, a second time just to capture stuff you might not have on the first. Definitely. So here's maybe my take on your critique, Silas. Mm-hmm. Um, are we like, is Oppenheimer redeemed at the end of the movie? Cause I don't know if, he, I don't know if he's redeemed like, like I realize that he's redeemed in the eyes of the U.S. government, right in the public eye. But I don't know if he's, re- I don't know if he's supposed to be redeemed in the eye of the movie audience. Um, and I'm wondering if he and Strauss are the same. I thought that the focal point of the movie, not the focal point of the movie, but like the line that like explain the movie to me was from the scene where after Jean kills herself and Oppenheimer's like out in the wilderness or whatever, like having a meltdown and Kitty comes in and she like basically is like, you need to get it together. But then she says, I looked this up on um, IMDb. You don't get to commit sin and then ask all of us to feel sorry for you when there are consequences. And I was like, Oh, Mm. that's like what this movie is about. Uh, Because like, he does there's a there's the other thing that she said to him um after like like toward the end of his like um security clearance investigation where she basically says like you're kind of not fighting for yourself as if by like taking all of this you're um Oh, yeah, here's the other quote. You think because you let them tar and feather you, the world will forgive you. Of like, he's trying, he almost is allowing himself to be martyred um, so that he doesn't, so, he can... so that he, he's like absolved of his sin. Because I think he does feel guilt, obviously, about yeah, like creating yeah. the bomb. And it's like, he almost acts like he, like he wants, he wants, he wanted to make the bomb, but then after it's it's made, like he realizes what he's created, and then he doesn't want to. Um, he like struggles with the responsibility of that, and it is almost like he like allows himself to be martyred so, so that like, he's, like not the bad guy, and it almost like creates this distance between. Uh, him and like the U.S. government, and makes it seem like they're using him, which certainly to a certain degree they are. But it also sure. kind of, I think, begs the question of like, is Oppenheimer like the good guy in this story, and Strauss is the bad guy, or are they two sides of the same coin? Because at the end of the his story, Strauss is like basically like he misses out on his his cabinet um, appointment, and he kind of portrays it as like he's been you know uh wrongfully discredited or whatever and alden aaron ranks senate aid character is kind of like 
basically says the same thing to him that Kitty says to Oppenheimer is like, you have to take responsibility for your, your actions. Um, and I wonder if that is like part of the, the story here is that Oppenheimer um, does this and like creates this thing and never fully like um, I don't know if I'd say he, like he never fully like like clearly he's doing the best he can uh, to like create peace and like minimize the expansion of the nuclear bomb but it seems like the story is more like um, if you do something bad or create something bad, there's like consequences to that. And you can't, like, you can't put it back in the box. Um, and I really like that whole, I don't know if you want to say message or like have making a movie around that idea of yeah. like responsibility and stuff. I like that a lot, but I think it, got a little lost for me in the whole trial thing. Yeah. It's like, cause I don't know like what we are supposed to take away. Like, are yeah. it like, is he supposed to be redeemed or it, like, is he supposed to be like, are we supposed to look at him not as like a villain, but like, I don't know. He's not exactly a good guy. Yeah, I do. I also like that about, that's one of the reasons I love like historical like movies is because real people are not black and white, like real people. Even you could say this about like the Bible, like characters are yeah. like really, really good in some aspects and they do amazing things, but they're also just like make terrible choices. Like yep. he was just blatantly having yeah. an affair like the whole time on his wife. Yeah. But, like, I don't know if we're supposed to have compassion on him or not. Um, at like not in real life, but like as an audience, I mean, I would imagine so. I don't but know. It's probably for know. for each of us to decide. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'd have to watch. I'd have to watch <laughs> it again. Do you think this movie has like, um, or I guess do you think Christopher Nolan? made this movie with the intent of having any sort of like um, covert or overt impact on like nuclear policy or public perception of nuclear policy. I was thinking if, well, I was thinking, what do you think is the nuke of today? Probably like AI. That's what I was thinking. That's the only thing I could think of. Nuke or just technology in general. Yeah, I can't imagine because he has to be working on this movie like way before AI really yeah. took off. So I can't yeah. imagine that that was really his intent with this. I, I guess but, I wonder if he like had any intentions about like actually impacting the way that we perceive um, like nuclear policy and nuclear warfare because like now i'm i kind of i'm like i've never i guess i've never thought that hard beforehand about like should we have dropped the bomb on japan i guess in history class they're always just like and we dropped the bomb and then we won and helped <laughs> japan rebuild it's like okay it's like sort of yeah but like should we have like i don't know 
don't know. Like, you know, what what was the right decision? Yeah, I don't know. And it's, I never thought about that really that deeply before. And I wonder if that is like is part of his intent with this movie to actually get us as like a as citizens to consider what we like. I don't. I guess I don't know if he's trying to impact voting, but like you know. Like just he, think he, about the consequences of yeah, like, large he, projects and social, like the well, general specifically the like nuclear warfare. Like, is he oh, trying you think to, specifically nuclear? Yeah, like, warfare? is he making? Is he? Is he? Does, is there like an overt uh, moral of the story regarding like how we should handle our nuclear policy um, and like interactions with other other nations as a democracy? Like, I'd say if he is trying to do that, it's very futile. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what. I mean, if that was his intent, <laughs> got lost on me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I haven't thought one second about nuclear policy. <laughs> and I guess let me practice that. I was so graciously reminded by you all that I say nuclear wrong. <laughs> I think I've I think I've trained myself out of it, but I used to say nuclear. Well, you just said. Did I really? Like <laughs> yeah. Okay. So nuclear, nuclear, not nuclear. <laughs> to me, like it just even me saying it right now, it sounds like almost indiscernible from each other. But I guess it just proves how brainwashed I have made myself. Uh, <laughs> nuclear policy. I haven't thought much of it after after watching the movie. So. For all of you out there who are listening who also haven't considered that, don't feel bad. <laughs> You're not alone. All of us rocks for brains stand together. <laughs> you said it. Yeah, exactly. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it gives you a lot of food for thought, as all Christopher Nolan movies do. True. Yeah. And that's kind of what he's best at, I think. And I think that's one of the reasons we enjoy his movies so much. Yeah. I love his movies because I feel dumber coming out of them than I did going in. <laughs> Mission accomplished. I mean, Tenet. You talk about, I mean, talk about. Hey, no, nobody has going on in that one. Tenet, to this day, could probably give me a headache if I thought too much about yeah. it. All right. Anything else? What else is there? Do we have any other like standard topics to discuss? We talked about likes, dislikes. David got his discourse in, so we've pretty much hit on all the highlights of an episode. What does that mean? <laughs> I got my discourse in. Yeah, I mean, I can always rely on you to to you know have a monologue. Well, just to talk a, have a, a rant. A yeah, thought. talk talk very deeply about the movie in ways that I never even considered. So. It's yeah, that's just that's your thing. Just like my thing is well, I don't know what my thing is. The audience comes to expect it. Yeah. Our massive global audience. Yeah, exactly. Our admiring fans across the world. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate we appreciate those of you who do listen. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Truly. The diehards. Yeah, we don't take this lightly. 
It does not get lost on us. We take this pretty You well. are the reason we do what we do. All of you out there. That's not why I do this. <laughs> Which, wow. I'm sorry. I do this for myself, yeah. guys. Heartbroken. I mean, not like I do this for myself, but I do it for my own personal enjoyment. Fair enough. But I appreciate everybody who listens. It does make it more fun. It will be yes. a lot less yes. fun if nobody listened. Yes. Yeah, I don't what know. Else? I don't what think else? I have a ton of other stuff. Okay. Atomic bomb scene. Under, uh, I don't know if I would say underwhelming. Not what I expected. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, but, David, I don't know if you noticed, but I definitely still was like scared when the noise finally hit. Because, I, I, I mean, I assumed it was coming, just didn't know when. And so we're sitting there. It's quiet. You know, you got the flames. You got, you know, the... The people watching and I'm like okay when's the noise when's the noise and then boom hits me and it sh- is that actually how atomic bombs work like I'm sure you see it way before I hear it are you at hear least it? there's like a time yeah. if you're miles and miles away I get yeah what guess. were they like 10 miles away is that I mean I didn't really maybe get all those details um uh, I remember they're pretty far. yeah yeah how crazy is it too that they thought there was a chance that was not zero that the entire world would have just ignite in yep. flame after they set off the bomb and they and they I still mean... did it. <laughs> Boy, yeah, that was that was that Goodness that man. point when they made that I was like, oh wow, because uh, I mean we've only like us and I feel like the bulk of people who might be listening to this have only ever lived in a world with atomic bombs. So like, it's just yeah. normal. It's like, Oh, like you don't have to know anything about warfare or anything about weapons. It's just like top of the food chain, nuclear bomb. And it's just like, yeah, okay. That's just what it is. But like at this point they're like, this could destroy the earth immediately. Like, you know, it's like, and we all, we've all heard the thing about like, between all the countries in the world that have nuclear weapons, I mean, we have enough power to literally destroy the planet, which is always so insane to me. But yeah, for them to be like, yeah. well, we can't say it won't happen. <laughs> Let's try it anyway. <laughs> it probably, yeah, it won't. probably won't happen, but I guess we'll find out. So yeah, that was, that was kind of interesting. You know what else is crazy is like, so I feel like atomic bombs, I mean, I feel like just because they're so prevalent in like pop culture and like movies and stuff like that, it feels like they're like, not like commonplace, but like, I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but these are the only two atomic bombs that have ever actually been dropped in warfare, right? In warfare, yeah, probably. Test-wise, I'm sure they've done yeah. others. Yeah, sure. But like... You know, in real war, like these are the only two that have ever been dropped. And like, yeah, almost a hundred years ago, like eighty years ago. Yeah, and like, also the bombs now are like way bigger, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. way bigger. Um, so that's kind of yeah. Of like, man, if we were to get involved in nuclear warfare now, it would be like a totally different scale. There's a few things I, I've 
I think I might have mentioned this to you guys like last month when we were driving through Yellowstone, but like there's a few things I wish that I could almost like view as a simulation from like a third person perspective or like, you know, like floating above the earth. I wish I could see like Yellowstone erupt, you know, and I wish I could see what like actual nuclear bombs would do. And it just one of those like fascinations. I feel like I mean, I never want it to happen. I I don't I don't want Yellowstone yeah. to erupt, but it's like, but what if it did? <laughs> <laughs> that would be so cool to see. Uh, and movies just you know can't do it justice. But you're right, David. I mean, uh, can't even imagine the the amount of the, like the force and destruction that even one of any modern, you know, nuclear bomb could do. It's just, I mean, hard to fathom. Well, hopefully nobody drops them. (laughs) (laughs) Looking at you. Actually, I'm like, yeah, yeah. You're scared. You're scared to even (laughs) say it. Like we all know, but it's like, I don't know how this works, but, uh, yeah, I'm not going to risk it. Look at you, North Korea. <gasps> no, I was kidding. I don't think North Korea would do that. They're too small. Also, don't think we have any North Korean listeners. So yeah, you never know. Uh, probably not. They're not allowed. <laughs> They're too concerned with surviving. Yeah. Well, maybe the North Korean government is listening. Mm-hmm. That's Could who be. we really need to be. Concerned Can you imagine with? if someone's job it was to listen to our podcast? For potential, for potential anti anti North Korea propaganda, we appreciate. Thank you, North Korean monitor. Yes, thank you for giving us another listen. Yeah, (laughs) we're one step closer to monetizing this podcast. That's right. All right. What else? Anything? Any trivia? Was there was there any trivia about this? Yeah, is there any trivia? Um, it says that Kodak made the first ever black and white IMAX stock just for this movie. Oh wow! Um, it says Oppenheimer says they'll know if the bomb was successful in one hour and fifty-eight minutes, and then the bomb actually goes off at one hour and fifty-eight minute mark in the movie. Ooh. Matt Damon was on a break from acting as a promise to his wife with one condition. The break would go on hold if Christopher Nolan called. And he did call. Wow. So, sorry, Chris. Imagine, sorry, being, imagine being the one director that you're like, Matt Damon's like, I will be on break for everybody except for him. Right. Yeah. Oh, David, the film score doesn't feature any drums as Christopher Nolan and composer Ludwig, whatever, felt that using a sound typically associated with the military would be inauthentic to the character of Oppenheimer. Yeah, I think that's actually um, maybe less significant than it feels. No Uh, drums? Yeah, because I feel like there's a lot of movie soundtracks that don't have drums. But Ludwig also is a particularly good at percussion. So 
in, in that sense. Um, it is significant. See the soundtrack to Black Panther for more information on his mastery of percussion. Oh, uh, the script for this was written in first person. I don't know what that means. What does that mean? It's in like Oppenheimer's perspective. Like the whole thing is like, I went to da, 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 da. Um, that's about all. I mean, there's a lot more, but that's about all I think is relevant or interesting. All right. Uh, ratings. Uh, I'm probably going to have to give it, oh boy, an eight. Just because at the beginning I said, I don't think I was as entertained by this as maybe even other Christopher Nolan films or even like movies that I've given nines historically. And as you guys know, entertainment value is like my number one criteria. Now, was I impressed and was I like appreciative of the quality of film it was? Of course. But I'm going to have to stick at an eight for me. I'm going to go, I might go like eight. I don't want to use, I haven't used decimals in a long time. If I was going to use decimals, I'd give it like an 8.8. I feel, 8 feels low, but a 9 feels maybe a little high. At least for the way that I feel about it. It might objectively be a nine, but I think the way that I feel about it, it's cl- it's like not quite at a nine. But it's a high eight. High eight for sure. Um, for me. Yeah, it's probably a nine for me just because I really enjoy a good historical like base and set movie. And it was very pretty in all, in all, in all aspects. I enjoyed it. Cool. Mm-hmm. That was Oppenheimer. Arguably the film of the year. Arguably, we'll see. Arguably, yeah. yeah. We will see. I mean, I did see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I and uh, Paw Patrol. Yeah, yeah, Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol, yeah. Uh, which I don't, I don't, I don't predict we'll be doing an episode on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, but as a quick little. Side note, I loved it. I thought it was real good. So. I want to see that yeah, movie. It was, it's worth a watch. Um, I Also, as a fun little side note, I was the only person in the entire theater uh, when I went to see it, which at this point in my life has become almost my preferred method of watching movies. Oh, yeah. I 100% agree Like. That. I remember like when I went to see it, I sent, I sent like a Snapchat to Caitlin and some other people about like, like being alone in the theater. And Caitlin was like, she's like, I know you don't have a problem with it, but that makes me so sad. I'm like, no, this is killer. I, I mean, it was awesome. I could like stretch, which I never get to stretch during a movie. You know, if I had a little something, something in my throat, I would, I didn't care to like, you know, give a little clear my throat or whatever. So, and the movie itself was great, so that was fun. 
No, I definitely agree with seeing movies by yourself. Would recommend. Yeah, do it. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. All right. Um, yeah. Next on the... Yeah, what are we seeing next? Well, I feel like we probably should do Barbie. I would love to feel, do Barbie. I will like, have much more to say about Barbie. It feels like kind of a waste for this podcast not to... Yeah, literally. <laughs> I mean, it's probably still... I mean, it probably is the highest grossing film of this year, for sure. Um, yeah, I would like to see Barbie. Um, I, I agree. I don't know how long the theatrical run is, and I don't know when I'll be able to see it. But um, I would say let's let's aim for Barbie. I um, can make time to see it next week. Okay. And I've seen it, but I, I would not All mind right. to see it again. <laughs> you heard it here first, listeners. We're going to do Barbie next. Um, there's some other stuff that's coming up, coming out. Yeah, tell us what's coming up, David. Okay, well, I have some stuff on my list. A lot of this has been released, and we haven't reviewed it. And... Uh, we probably won't. I think I was ambitious writing this down. Uh, Blue Beetle came out this past weekend. I don't know if that's good or not, but it's the first James Gunn DC movie. Um, I don't think he directed it, but it's like he's at the helm of like producing all of their movies now. And that's like kind of the lead reboot. I think it's also anticipated to be pretty bad. Uh, but as a comic book fan, superhero fan, I'm interested in seeing Blue Beetle. I don't know if it would warrant a review. Uh, there's also a movie called The Creator coming out in end of September, oh. and I really want to see that. Um, it has uh, John David Washington in it, and it's like a kind of futuristic dystopian movie about like AI robots. Um, it looks like it's basically iRobot, but like kind of different. But it, I saw a trailer for it like when I went to see, I don't even remember what movie. Uh, but I was like, whoa, that looks super cool. Mm. Um, and it looks like it's like an original story. Like it's not based on anything. Like, interesting. It's just like, it's I just like, have not seen a trailer for that at all, but it sounds uh, interesting. It looks really cool. Like, um, so I really want to, I'm hoping it is really good and I would really like to review it. I definitely want to see it. Um, that's end of September. Dune part two comes out at the beginning of November. Uh, there's also a movie called Napoleon coming out. Ooh. Which I think is directed by Ridley Scott and stars yeah. Joaquin Phoenix as really Napoleon. Want to see that. Uh, which <laughs> sounds quite entertaining, uh, if nothing else. I mean, yeah. I'm imagining. That comes out this year? Uh, yeah, it comes out in November, I believe. And then um, there's also a movie called Wonka. Oh, yeah. That An old is Timmy about boy. A young Willy Wonka. Which sounds stupid, except for the fact that Willy Wonka will be played by Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Wow. Um, and that intrigues me. Have you seen tra- Have you I'm seen trailers for it? No, I haven't seen trailers for it, but I feel like he's a serious actor. Yeah. Um, and so I've seen the trailers. Um, uh, I don't have any like overwhelming thoughts on it yet, but I do know there's a. Which is so funny for me not to be on TikTok. I know a lot about these TikTok trends, but um, <laughs> I think there's one like based on the trailer of that movie, where people are just like kind of, really? are kind of goofing on Timothy Chalamet because of like, I don't know. They just Wonk, Wonka in general is a interesting character. So, but yeah. So I also want to see Haunted Mansion, which has already been out. It's out for a while. I don't think we probably warrant a review, but I, 
thought, oh, that looks kind of interesting. Yeah. Disney movie. Disney movie. Mission Impossible 7. Also really want to see I that. saw that one. It's been out for a while. It's been out for a yep. hot minute. Um, I've seen a lot of movies this summer. Almost every movie that's come you out. You have. Um, yeah, I I've, I've think I've seen, so... But we didn't do reviews on the one I didn't see was Indiana Jones, which I'm not upset that I didn't see it, but uh, didn't see that one. Um, I really wanted us to review that one too, and I didn't get to go see it. And I think it's out of theaters now, and I'll have to I wait for it to come so. out. Disney, yeah. Disney Plus. I heard it was really bad, which doesn't surprise me, but it's also very disappointing. Yeah. Um. So Barbie next is that right? Yeah. All right, that's, that's the plan. plan. So make sure y'all. Put your pink pants on. Go see Barbie if you haven't already, and tune in to the next episode. Did you dress up for Barbie? Uh, Barbie? Yes, a little bit. Really? Uh, What did you wear? So I did. I don't have like any straight up pink articles of clothing, but what I do have is a Dua Lipa shirt from her concert that I went to. So I wore my Dua Lipa shirt because she's in the movie. Um, Oh. And I wore some... We, we know you like her almost as much as you like Alexa Split. Yeah, yeah. At this point, probably a little bit more. But uh, but Alexa, she just really played on my heartstrings in that movie. But anyway. Uh, and then I wore some sneakers that have some pink on them. So I tried to incorporate pink into mm-hmm. my outfit. There was a little bit of pink on the shirt for Dua Lipa. But, uh, Subtle. But yeah, man. It was fun. Subtly. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. But we'll talk, you know, we'll talk all about it next episode. Tune in for more. All right. Is that it? I guess so. All right. Peace.